Spank is a podcast where Noah and Howard write jokes and then tell each other the jokes that they wrote. Listener discretion is advised. Everybody and welcome to <laughs> no 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 <laughs> welcome to spank the podcast where we write jokes and tell each other the jokes that we wrote my name is Noah Todd and I'm Howard Hendricks Powell <coughs> and my name my name is <coughs> it's been a minute I don't know. <laughs> and I've uh, dedicated my life to fighting crime. <laughs> I um today's gonna be a little more relaxed and a little more casual, a little more conversational for Spankiversary two. Right? Two? Spankiversary two? Spankiversary two. I wrote Spankiversary three. (laughs) Spankiversary two. The reason for the season. Spankiversary two. Medea goes home. Oh, Tyler Perry. That's who that is, if you didn't know. It's not a real woman, it's Tyler Perry. I saw a tweet from Tyler Perry today being like, this is what a midlife crisis looks like. I'm 51 and I'm single. And it was like, your midlife crisis looks very, very different from my father's midlife crisis. (laughs) Yeah, bro, you're single. There's something wrong if Tyler Perry's single. He's like a multi-millionaire. Mm-hmm. He's doing very well. When my thing. dad dresses up as a grandmother, he doesn't commit it to film. He only does it to get your mom back. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Hashtag downfired. Hashtag <laughs> downfired. I have a joke for you. Okay. And this is a very, of all the jokes that I have written for this session, this is a very, uh, like, vanilla, inoffensive joke. My girlfriend recently had a severe allergic reaction to a cake that she didn't know had almonds in it. It was nuts. <laughs> Did that really happen? No, because she oh. doesn't eat things that have nuts in them. What? You, you prefaced <laughs> it with, she didn't know. <laughs> oh, yeah, what, you think, that she's, you think that she's an idiot? You think <laughs> that somebody <laughs> sabotaged her? She's got enemies. New York City is covered in over three inches of snow. The snow is so white, when I stepped in it, it called the cops. Plows haven't been pushing the snow off the roads. They've just been requesting that it stand back and stand by. A snowman that came to life in the Bronx gave out hugs and blankets covered in smallpox. That's how white the snow was. I see. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, How many inches did you say? Is it over three inches? I don't know. Yeah, I know. Okay, so I thought I misheard it in that you said 30 inches, uh, because the day we're recording this is the day that this region was hit with a crazy winter storm, and you said over three inches, which is not like a ton of... That's not like a wild amount of snow, and that's your prompt. New York was hit. New York was hit with some snow, and it was white. 
I didn't bother to look up how much snow it was. I eyeballed that shit from my window, and I was like, that's definitely more than three. <laughs> <laughs> that's There's at least a few inches out there. <laughs> Knocking on a door is pretty funny. Like, hey, I'm coming in, but first I got to teach this door a lesson. <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. For those of you following The Mandalorian on, on Disney+, Plus, we finally found out what the name of Baby Yoda is. For those of you who don't know, I won't spoil it on one condition. Can you please teach me how to lose my virginity? Is Grogu. Is <laughs> <laughs> Grogu. No, um, I was pissed that it was Grogu. I was like, Grogu, I guess. <laughs> I think no, I think Grogu is way better than the only other Yoda species. Yaddle. 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 <laughs> we could name it Yordu, <laughs> and everybody will be like Fuck! I uh, I this thought child. so. As Yoda. a rewrite, the chi- <laughs> this is the this is the child Yorengo. <laughs> uh, I to, to re to rewrite your joke, Yothulu. <laughs> um, I I <laughs> my mind instantly went to. Are you okay? I just did the Cthulhu sound. Uh, <laughs> That's what just... we started the podcast with. For those of you right. who didn't know, we were having a prior conversation that was centered around Kalua sounding like Cthulhu, and then we were Howard's the only one that thinks that. So I'm going to rewrite your joke because uh, <laughs> what happened in my mind was um, for those of you following the Mandalorian, stop! He's dangerous. <laughs> Leave him alone. <laughs> I got I got a joke. Okay. Okay. So we haven't done Spank in a while, you know. So I obviously have some jokes that that are older, right? Um, like here's one about like way before <clears throat> way before the general election about the Republican National Convention. As, uh, more Americans died from coronavirus during the Republican convention than died on 9-11. Unfortunately, Republicans don't care about coronavirus because it isn't brown. Oh my god. <laughs> I, it's, it's so... Um, two things. One, I love... There's this, there's this excellent Dave Chappelle joke that this almost shamelessly rips off of because if you're gonna rip them off just rip them off from the best but it's based you know it's basically like if you want to change gun laws like every black person should go out and buy a gun (laughs) it was uh, (laughs) the premise of his joke um and my question my question for you is like can what elements do you think determine the life of a joke like, so that joke is clearly outdated, but it, you know, it's still worth a chuckle. Mm-hmm. And like, what, what might make a joke green forever, you know? Um, uh, I think like a universal truth. That's mm-hmm. in it. I think yeah, if right. a joke can have a universal truth to it, then it can outlast. Like, uh, <laughs> like, um, <laughs> like a stupid knock-knock joke, you know? Like mm-hmm. sometimes knock-knock jokes... When you're a kid, they're always funny because to you, you're just learning words and stuff. So when you hear wordplay for the first time, it's hilarious, you know, or like um, any joke that has just like simple uh, subversion in it, 
will right. always last, especially if the subversion is something that will never change, you know? Yeah. I there's um <clears throat> there's this Greek ancient Greek playwright, um, Aristophanes, and he you know, he wrote a whole bunch of comedies, and in one of them, The Frogs, it basically opens with a fart joke. And like there's like and there so there's nothing you're talking like hundreds of years BC there's nothing more relatable than something like happening to the human body like mm-hmm. so 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 jokes about like human instincts or jokes uh maybe about sex or about those like bodily functions like farting and burping like they last forever and they they're yeah. never not funny particularly when it is something like a fart joke or a sex joke where it's something that would usually be private yeah and then you sort of break break the ice uh break the social ice really with uh with what is sort of not talked about all the time yeah. um so it's it's interesting that it's like the the closer and purer you get to that 100% relatable human experience the longer the joke lasts because yeah. as soon as you start talking about like so uh, we can still make a joke about the Republican convention because we still have the idea of like Democrats and Republicans, but like, that's not necessarily a joke that anybody would think about at all in another country. Cause they don't have the frame of reference. Like it, that's an American joke. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it's, it's interesting too, because I think that jokes that have short lifetimes, because comedy is such a powerful commentary tool, jokes that are like hot, and fast and right on something that is like public knowledge, but it's knowledge for a particular group or, or something like that. Like those jokes tend to be really, really funny and crazy, um, but they don't live as long. They they burn the candle at both ends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like a shooting star. Right. Shooting star. <laughs> that's a very specific joke. That's uh, really specific to what's going on. That's a good way to look at. A lot of uh, a lot of the jokes I write are like that because they're like very much <clears throat> kind of just based in the now, you know. Based a lot of the jokes headline. that you write are like that because yeah. you just look up headlines and you try to write a punchline after each one. <laughs> I got one right here. Sir Ian McKellen recently got the COVID vaccine and recommended it to everyone, saying, "You shall not pass away." <laughs> Burning bright and hot. That's good. Well, I mean, bright and hot. That's a joke that you can tell until Ian McKellen dies. And then you can tell it like 20 years after that. But there'll be a period where you can't tell it without it making people sad. (laughs) I feel like Um, it makes people sad now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. You know, with the whole like global pandemic thing. Here was one. Speaking of the global pandemic, I have a question for you. Sure. At your funeral... What wouldn't you want mentioned? <laughs> I told Howard that, like, I have jokes about the nature of comedy and writing and whatever, and and Howard's. <laughs> what wouldn't? What wouldn't I want mentioned? You know, um, you know things that are 
I, this might be a little bit of a cop-out answer. I know you want some big, crazy confession, but... I want whatever you say. I you know, won't be disappointed unless you don't respond. You know things about you that are true, but are almost shallow, in a sense? Um, <clears throat> or somebody coming to my funeral who doesn't know me as well and has, like like, a very shallow anecdote that they share about me, and it's like... Like, I appreciate that everybody can grieve, but it's so interesting what facets you see of somebody. Like, if somebody came to my funeral and everybody started talking about, like, oh, he just, he loved movies so much. It's like, yeah, I do fucking love movies, but, like, that's not who I am. It's not like I'm a filmmaker, like, you know, um, <laughs> as opposed to if they were, like, playing and listening to my music and talking about my guitars and, sh like, that that rings truer to who I am. And there are elements of like, um, of, yeah, I do. I do love movies and I have strong opinions about movies and art and whatever, but you don't want to be the movie guy though. Right. Uh, like, well, also the movie guy is such a douchebag, you know, like, the, <laughs> like imagine you die and that's the message is, ah, no, I was, he was the movie guy and he told everybody to go to him for recommendations. It's like, that's a dick. That, that's a dick. I was that in college. If I had died in college, people might have said that about me. How do you um, know you didn't? <laughs> how do you know you didn't die in college? Oh my god. This is how you find out. This is is if this is the the like eternal um if this is the eternity that my mind created it's so pathetic it's oh my god it's like you're, you're telling gonna ever... me i gotta talk to the movie guy <laughs> <laughs> this is uh this is not a not a question not really a joke but um it's more of a more of a thought remember that kathy griffin photo shoot where she was holding trump's severed head mm -hmm. yeah i feel like if that happened today it would be totally fine yeah i i think that so much particularly this year has has evolved to the point where that kind of like outspoken crazy crazy art move would be fine and then wouldn't mm. lose her uh, a job you know, yeah like i think it would definitely be fine now because he is not going to be the president anymore <laughs> <laughs> i think right. that was one of those examples of like uh like you never know what pull somebody has until you do some shit like that and then you lose your job entirely um right. you feel like oh yeah i can use my platform to tear this wretched man down and then mm. that wretched man is probably like, yo, executive of that show that I know personally, mm. she's got to go. Well, right. And it, even sort of sort of in that vein, it also happened at a time where, you know, people people knew the evils of Trump. But of course, nothing like this year happened yet yeah and and so it's like there was still you could still have this this feigned idea of like well we have to respect him because he's our president right you know like and so you you do have to act a certain way even though he's a dick you like 
that was yeah, still he hadn't, killed, he hadn't killed inadvertently killed or vertently vertently he hadn't vertently killed all the people that we assumed he would probably end up killing in one way or another yet so yeah. it's kind of like he had to do that first before people were like you want to know what this guy does suck and maybe kathy griffin i don't care if you're deep list you had a point right um, right right yeah it's like um uh uh, yeah, every 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 president sort of has uh, a tainted record, but but Trump is the first president that that sort of like took how sacred that that position is in our country and made it asinine. And so it's like it took all of his four years for that to like really settle. Yeah. Uh, definitely wasn't the first, in my opinion, and he probably, I think that a lot of this is, it has a lot to do with the fact that he's a president in a time of, uh, <clears throat> where media has changed entirely. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, oh yeah, you're absolutely right there. Thing, you know, like mm-hmm. if Nixon had a Twitter, we'd be like, that dude fucking sucked just as much, if not right. worse. Right, 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 uh, right. Well, and you're talking, right, about like the war on drugs, or even if you go back to like founding fathers era presidents and they are, they are despicable, despicable. Not Lincoln tweets. Lincoln tweets would be a little, uh, just for my taste, but I'd love to read (laughs) some, some good old fashioned presidential tweets. Right. There's something that is so bizarre about like the, the lifting of the veil between, in terms of directly being able to communicate not just with Trump as a as president, but with with everybody who was previously like up in the tower, like celebrities and other politicians and, and yeah. whomever. And it's such a different landscape because everyone's opinion holds. I wouldn't say they all hold the an equal amount of weight, but social media gives everybody the the presence in their own circle that they they do have the same amount of weight which is I actually have a question that's related to that sure um, uh if if i were to hire you for this job and i granted you three promises with regards to working here what would they be what is this job hmm? what is the job this this is the question. You can't like ask for that's the question. And I would like an answer, and I would like less lollygagging. Okay, I see. Do you need that me to repeat to the, the question? Three wishes that I have for my stay if at this I job. were to hire you for this job, and First I of all, you three promises you, with regard to working you, here. You will never talk to me in that tone again. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's- I am asking you a question. It's a simple <laughs> question. It, it has a three promises aspect. So like I don't it. want the tone. I would also go as far as saying that uh, I would not like to be asked questions. If you have a task for me, give it to me and pay me for it. Mm-hmm. I don't like this lollygagging either. Right on. I feel like you would get and the job. <laughs> I don't even have the I don't even have the third the third <laughs> wish, which is that I'm the boss. <laughs> that was a great segue. Is it your turn? Uh it can be. Sure. There is this app, it's called Citizen, 
where you can see all the crimes against humanity that are happening in the city. When I went on last, to my surprise, I saw the dates of my next open mic. He's laughing. He's laughing. <laughs> I love the self-roast. I think the self-roast is, if you're not too uh, down on yourself about it, I think self-roast is a good, safe sort of joke. If you mm-hmm. if you deconstruct yourself too much, it's a little sad. I have a joke, which is not okay. a self-roast. It's a Howard roast. Um, Howard recently got married and he told me it's true when you get married the sex really does change drastically he used to be really into it but now he just watches (laughs) wouldn't it be cool if I was just married I like I I seem married I gotta have a question you seem seem married we both have married energy Ah, what we is both have married is energy the... is like uh, I'm on the couch and I'm dying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Married energy is is wasted potential. Sorry, about... <laughs> the both of us. <laughs> uh... <laughs> leave her, leave her, divorce her if you want it to be. Wait, no, 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 no. We have um, what what's funny about the wasted potential is that it's like. We we are suffering through a time of widespread wasted potential, yeah. <laughs> and so everybody everybody's married. Yeah, COVID, <laughs> COVID married all of us, and we're all like, "But I had my dreams." <laughs> <laughs> uh, so my my question then this it could just be a quick one, but yeah. I've told a bunch of jokes about you getting cuckolded. Yeah, and I always think they're so funny. And what is, what are the implications of like sort of punching down at somebody where that's what they're into, you know? Because it's like, it's almost still like you can make a joke about a a furry and it's still, it's deemed as this other still, you know? Is that good or bad? (laughs) I'm still trying to decipher the question. Is it okay? Is it okay okay to make those jokes? Jokes about me being a cuckold? Yeah, Yeah. I don't care. Yeah, it's funny that I'm a cuckold. Because it's it's like what's I um, don't know if I were to actually be a cuckold, would I be about it? Probably not. If I right, well, so it's it's like um, I'm sure you've heard the term before, like. uh, like equal opportunity offender and making jokes about like every group without discrimination. And it's, that's very mess. That can be super, super messy and awful. Uh, Mm -hmm. And usually that's, that's a stance held by people from a position of privilege where, yeah, I'm sure you can make jokes about whoever you want, but being an equal opportunity offender doesn't mean that the groups you're making jokes about are on equal platforms. So you know what I mean? So my my question is that obviously making a joke about you being a cuckold is very different from like me making a racist joke about you, but like what is what is the about me being a cuckold? (laughs) (laughs) Right. What is the line? Um it's always a white guy for some reason with you. I don't know. (laughs) What is the line? Um 
what's the line where it's it's okay to like put a group in a box and and not put a group in a box you know because honestly Coco- i think it has a lot to do with the telling the telling you know? i think it has a lot to do with the person telling it mm. uh i think that's kind of the smoking gun for your question i think it has a lot to do with the person telling it if the person telling it looks like they are a cuckold then <laughs> <laughs> well i know you didn't have <laughs> in another timeline to make fun of someone who clearly looks like they aren't a cuckold you know <laughs> in another timeline we had like reagan's war on cuckolds like and then that's the that's the timeline where it's not okay i got a joke about reagan <laughs> <laughs> hold on let me find it really quick uh <laughs> Uh, a recent economic study says that 50 years of tax cuts for the rich failed to trickle down. Mm. That's not shocking. To me, trickle-down economics is a lot like squirting breast milk on the top of a baby's head. Two things that people thought were okay in the 60s. That's my joke about Reagan's <laughs> economic policy. Is that something people, people thought that squirting breast milk on a baby's head was okay? <laughs> The like, point of the joke is that it's <laughs> kind of like, did they think that? No. <laughs> do, they, do they think? Do they think it's? A, but it's I not that the milk trickling down and the baby being mad. But it's because <laughs> it's like I can't get it. Like a hamster, like with the little bottle that's upside down. It's yeah. like um, uh, shit. What but was less I effective because it only sprays on the hamster. <laughs> it head. goes. It gets in his ears. Yeah. Uh. I like that you said it's it's something that people in the sixties thought was okay. Like it wasn't it wasn't a trend. It wasn't um it wasn't something people liked. It was like, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> well uh, I frankly like to squirt my breast milk on top of Okay, Mrs. Maisel. <laughs> you cut, <laughs> you cut out and it was so funny. You were like, frankly, I like to squirt my breast milk. Okay, Mrs. Maisel, and I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it. My dear friend Howard had a featured extra role in The Binge on Hulu, where he was part of the, like, bad boy entourage. I'm so happy for him. He finally got to live his dream of being cool. I do feel that. I feel that. I feel like I did get to live a dream of being someone who looked intimidating, and I felt that way throughout all the filming process, and then I watched the film. And I thought I could end it now. (laughs) I hate that the MTA refers to us as customers. Please let the customers get on and off the train. The MTA calling us customers is like a plantation owner calling their slave a business associate. Me, I tend to the books, but my associates handle the nitty gritty. (laughs) That's my joke. But my associates handle the nitty gritty. Nitty gritty was funny to me. Right I, I figured that that was like the the genesis of your joke. How do I say nitty gritty? Uh, <laughs> it reminds me. I don't know if you've seen on my Insta story, but I started making little bear cartoons. Uh, <laughs> I did. I saw that on Twitter. I'm yeah. actually. I'll say this for everyone to know. I have watched the social dilemma, and I have been rigorously off of most social media platforms. And when I go on, it's simply to post, and then I try and bounce off uh, because of uh, that that documentary. Really, you're like, I need to maintain my my like meteoric rise to stardom. 
on that's literally that's literally the only reason i go on social media was it so it's so funny how um so if, if anybody's interested out of the blue i started doodling these like little comics that I call little bears and yes, big that's bear what we were talking about. <laughs> and a and a small bear named Ryan and the big bear's name is Big Bear. And it's I draw a single panel of them doing something and it's the juxtaposition of like the big bear is saying vulgar stuff. Like they're doing something normal. But I have like one of the first ones was to show Howard for reference, even if it might be backwards. But they're like playing a board game. And Big Bear says, I'm fucking sick of your antics. <laughs> and so that's the whole premise. It's very simple. But what reminded me of it was so much of this, which I've been I've been making a whole bunch of these that I'm going to roll out like once a day on my Instagram story and on Twitter and whatever. But um, it's like all about having that one tiny, tiny grain of something you think is funny. And then you try to build up to it as best you can. So you wrote a, like you thought nitty gritty was funny. And like, that was like, I know that's maybe not your initial idea for that joke, but it's a good example. Cause you said nitty gritty is funny and I want to use it. And I made one of these comics today because I was like, how can I use the phrase your ass is grass in a, uh, in a joke. And I built up to it by making a comic of they're celebrating Hanukkah. And Ryan, the little bear, is going to put the last candle on the Hanukkah. And Big Bear says, if you knock that over, your ass is grass. Which is, like, so different from just the concept of the phrase, your ass is grass. Anyway, this has been my shameless plug for these jokes. Check out Noah's comics. Uh, You couldn't see them, but they looked really cool. And honestly, um, they're well done comics. Proportionally, they work they work like it's like obviously this person knows he understands the line and space thanks which is why i have so much of your art in my apartment i like having your art in my apartment i look you, at your Howard art likes having my art in his apartment because it has boobies in it i bonus. did i did that's um, a bonus that's a bonus i did like uh like breasts who doesn't like breasts women like their breasts i did a bail fund fundraiser where i was selling my art and most of it was like atmospheric collages that I made. One or two, what I you know I do like adult artwork with the pornography and whatever. This um, is very funny for someone who's never seen it. They're probably what the <laughs> like, what's going on? What the fuck could he possibly be talking? And I had six of them up for sale, which was not my whole collection. I was on sale, and Howard messaged me and like bought up one of the ones I had for sale, and then went out of his way to directly ask me for like several of the pornographic art pieces that were not for sale. <laughs> I like them a lot. I like them I a lot. And I'm not the freaky porn guy. Here lies Howard Hendricks. <laughs> really like breasts. You that's really like me. breasts. And that's not um, what I want you to say at my funeral. Uh, Honestly, don't speak. You'd make it too showy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want you to speak because you do that thing that thing too showy yeah that's That's what i would say about you motherfucker like (laughs) that's why i said it (laughs) if i die before you if i die before you you'll speak and you'll 
you'll like make a bit out of it. <laughs> I'd be like, yo, this sucks. But you know what else it sucks? How much he liked movies. <laughs> <laughs> no, that wouldn't be the bit. It would be much it would be more thought. You would you would do it as like one of your old school characters. You'd be like, all right, everybody, this is Noah. And then you would be like, I'm a little joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love that character where I'm the small Jew. <laughs> oh my god. That's um, my char- that's my SNL audition. Hello, Lauren. I will be doing <laughs> the character. very offensive character. You know this. Lauren, you know this archetype well. Uh, yeah. Stop me when you know what it is. <laughs> uh, so something, something about that, um, or not about I would that. Never but... do that. Lauren Michaels, I'm, I'm, I'm very, I'm very with it, and I'm also apologetic if I've done wrong. You're trying to take me down with your little niche references of characters that I've never made up. God damn you, <laughs> Noah. God damn you. This is this is the funeral speech. Um, but more on like what entitles you to tell a certain joke. Have you seen Have you seen the Borat films? You know, I have seen the first one, and then opening night on Amazon Prime, I was up late and I put it on, and I happened to fall asleep out of exhaustion, not out of boredom, and I got about halfway through and haven't finished it yet. The That's first a one hard or the second truth. one? No, the second one. Okay, so you've seen one, one and a half of them. Yeah, one and a half. Okay, so so you know this character um, because I saw when the second one came out, this new wave of condemnation of Sasha Baron Cohen is a quote unquote white dude playing this guy from Kazakhstan. And what I don't think they know is that he's an Israeli Jew and lived in Israel for a long, long, long time. And lived in the Middle East and a lot of Borat's Borat has a ton of humor that is like like farcical anti-Semitic humor mm-hmm. where the character is not Jewish, but like antagonizes Jews and rallies people, gets people to say anti-Semitic shit along with other, you know, horrible offensive shit. And it's like I feel because, you know, going back to your own experience. Borat um, and Sasha Baron Cohen, they make jokes uh, at many times at the expense of of Jews, which is all about his his Jewish experience. But he but he's Israeli and and lived in Israel and lived in the Middle East. So is he allowed to make a Middle Eastern character? I think so. Like that's I I support his representation of this of this character of Borat. And I oh, I also know sure. that I think there's nuance there that's lost on people who don't study comedy and That's don't... just outrage for outrage's sake when it comes to right. Borat. He actually had this where he talks about his father's opinion on Donald Trump. And mm. he's like and his father <clears throat> I, I might be wrong about this. I read it a long time ago, but he talks about his father kind of got to witness some of uh, you know, Hitler, no way to yeah. say it lightly. Right, and uh, he was like, you know, the only other time he was he's referring to Trump, and he was like, the only other time I saw fascism at this height was uh, during the Third Reich. And um, so, Sasha Baron Cohen is he's a beautiful satirist, and uh, he actually is so amazing in the way that he 
exposes honest to God American values. It makes you yep. sick to your stomach. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Um, <clears throat> and I think that the first Borat is super interesting because it's this post 9-11, right? Yep. This is post 9-11 Middle Eastern character and you see the way different people interact with him. And then this next Borat is so, I I mean, I haven't, obviously I haven't finished it, but from what I saw, uh, I think the device of, of bringing his daughter into it too is so Mm -hmm. important, especially post me too. And she was really good. She did a great, she like as an actress was phenomenal. And what I liked, what I liked too about having the daughter character is that the, um, from a compositional standpoint, like the film had more drive to it. Like, I think, I think that the second film is a better film for her presence. It allowed Sasha Baron Cohen to explore similar satire elements and exposing whatever through avenues that he as a man doesn't have access to. And, and they pull it off. So, so well, my my phone just made a noise. I swore my phone was on its own. That was embarrassing. Um, we'll keep it in. We'll keep. It's America. I didn't hear it. <laughs> um, oh, so, so I just interrupted you for no reason. No, it's okay. <laughs> so yeah, so I, I think the second film is really, really good. I urge you to try not to fall Yo, asleep. <laughs> now I only, it was, it was like 4 a.m. Pure exhaustion, pure exhaustion. So tell me how you wrote that joke. I was thinking about the MTA and I was thinking, uh, the MTA was like, oh, your customers, like stand clear so the customers. And I thought about how every job I've ever worked is like, don't call them customers, call them guests. And then I thought, of course, the MTA, like I had a reaction about it. So then I just wrote like the MTA uh, is calling me a customer or whatever my setup was. Uh, and I uh, just wrote out a bunch of things like. The MTA is calling me a customer. I think that's akin to this. I think that's akin to this. Then backspace, I don't like that one. I don't like that one. And then I find one that I think is true. And I think that it's so absurd to be called the customer would be like a slave master thinking that there was some form of uh, camaraderie or uh, worksmanship or or togetherness between them. That's funny. Um, No, it's just, you just... uh... You just wanted to use the word nitty gritty. <laughs> I'm sorry that that's that that's the example that I keep thinking of, but it's just because that. Well, that I is, had initially course... I chose nitty gritty because I had, or no, I handle the books. My associate handles the rest and stuff uh-huh. like that. And I was like, no, that's not it. Like, what is a way to describe this? This right. Work the thing is that it's horrible. like, yeah, you know, yeah, right. Calling calling slave labor the rest is like. You know, kind of brushing it off, yeah, right. You know, calling it nitty gritty is the the character that you've created would truly like like downplaying the work. Yeah. You know, yeah, they do the um, nitty gritty. You know, they do so behind I, I the scenes. <laughs> I start from punch. I start from punch. Like I will write. Uh, oh, pardon me. I don't start from punch. I start from setup. I'll just write a setup. Right. Like, uh, America is hesitating. To take the vaccine like blank, you know? Um, yeah, and I thought, I'll see, sit and, and kind of New Yorkers were excited for a Nor'easter for the first time in years. Nothing came to me, so I abandoned Yeah. It, I know? when I try to do that, I I don't have success because I, you know, I have Joe Biden's president elect, you know what that means. And that didn't go anywhere. I also had Congress is potentially rolling out a second wave of stimulus giving each American six hundred dollars. And then that didn't end up that's already a joke. 
Um, (laughs) But, uh, and then I had one, we really got to stop treating politicians like celebrities. Um, And, you know, I was kind of thinking of like, is there a joke I can make about like Arnold Schwarzenegger being like a governor or, you know, like an actual celebrity? Um, Or can I do a joke about like secret OnlyFans or is, you know, I don't know. But I, I don't write like that. Mm. Um, and when I'm doing, when I'm writing something for stand-up, uh, I will uh, record myself riffing on an idea, and then I'll, mm. I'll pause the recording, and then I'll do it again, and then I'll pause the recording, and then I'll do it again. I'll try and refine it, and then I will go to the last one I recorded, and then I'll write that one out. What I was gonna say is that I kind of treat it a lot like when we studied improv together and the core of it is like, if this is true, what else is true kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And that's how I write songs, you know? Mm -hmm. So, and that's, and ultimately how I write my jokes. That's how I write anything. So like with a song, I might have like one line that comes to me and I really want to include it. Or I might have like, uh, two half a lines that have a rhyming couplet and I'm like I want this rhyming couplet and so okay if we have these words what is the rest of the line like okay so if this is our rhyming couplet what is the context of the verse what does the verse look like and then okay so we yeah, have a that's general... another you build backwards yeah right we have a theme for the song what is okay so what's the chorus now the chorus like names the game and then so if the if we have one verse like this and the chorus is the entire theme of the song, then what is what could another verse be? And so it, it's like that one. I know people who try to do lyrics like first word to last word, and I I can't. I, I just mm-hmm. I absolutely cannot do it like that. Or they'll write like a poem and then put that to music. I can't do that shit. Um, yeah. it's it's so it's so interesting. It is so interesting. That is also interesting. Cool. I learned something new about you today. What well, is it? Because you finally saw my face. <laughs> I find after all these years, I am honestly handsome. I thought you. I You're thought you were. Handsome. I thought you know. I did think you were the little Jew. You're kind of tall. <laughs> like, <laughs> um. So uh, thank you very much, Howard, for indulging me. A happy spank anniversary, Noah, for indulging me, and happy spank and yours and your and, wife and your wife and your wife's boyfriend <laughs> and your wife's son <laughs> who is also my son don't don't twist this 